You know, there's a Biggie documentary coming out, right? Did you see this? Go on. Yeah, I think it's also part of that FX thing I was mentioning with uh, with Dr. Dre. Um, pretty sure that that's the deal. Um, by the way, Laura, uh, Kendrick Perkins says to hit him now that he's good. Um, I, I will find it for you. Um, it was. I still I haven't watched the Britney documentary, although I will say this. I, mean I, was, I was doing a Peloton class today, and I can't remember the instructor's name. This guy was so hilarious because, George, I swear to you, on a three-minute recovery on a on a flat while LZ was working hard, jumping up and down uh, on on you know working on his legs and his dunking, and I was just there on a peloton. This instructor did three minutes today on the Britney Spears documentary that you've been telling us we need to watch. It's good. Yeah, I'm telling three you, three full minutes, so, a three minute recovery, George. So the Biggie Smalls one is coming to Netflix, and it's called "I Got a Story to Tell," like his famous song, which, by the way, is about an NBA player. Yes, um, it is. Yeah. Now, John Stark said on Highly Questionable with Dan Levitard and Poppy back in the day that it was not him, but he said he knew who it was because everyone just assumed it was John Starks that Biggie was talking about because of the the size of the player he described. So, um, but I, I don't know if it, maybe someone in the audience can help us out. Now, if, now George, yeah, George, yeah. we have to make sure that Cap knows the story. Do you know the story? The story of Biggie uh, Smalls, I got to tell. I got a story to tell. I would love for you to tell me. Well, quickly, because Perk is on the line. But Perk can join us. Perk, actually, what's up, man? Actually, Perk should tell the story. Perk, <laughs> Perk, you know that story about Biggie? What's going on? Now I don't know the story, but I know the song. <laughs> well, well, in the song, in the song, he says, you know, he's allegedly, Cap, um, he is um, sleeping with uh, a Knicks player's wife at the time, or maybe yep. ex-wife or whatever, um, and he mentions a yep. size of a player. So forever, mm -hmm. the zeitgeist assumed it was John Starks, but John Starks went on uh, Highly Questionable with Levitard a couple years ago and said it was not him, um, that he did know who it was but did not reveal it at the time. So mm -hmm. that's the story. Oh, that's, that's, what you talk, that's what you call true brotherhood. Taking it to the grave with you right there. That's, that's, how, you keep, that's how you keep locker room business. Locker room business. There you go, Perk. Now, Perk, let me ask you this. Because you know about these locker rooms because you've been in them uh, for a long time with a lot of different dudes. And when you got Kyrie out there yesterday when LeBron's shooting a technical free throw and the, the microphones pick him up saying as LeBron misses the free throw, that's your that's y'all's best shooter? Um. Perk, I know we've talked to you about LeBron and Kyrie's past before, but my guess is there's no love loss between those two there still. No, and they're not trying to be friends anytime soon, but I will say this. I will say this while Kyrie talking about one uh, the best free throw shooter, ask him about that 35,000 club that he uh, went into uh, <laughs> at LeBron in the last night. You know, Kyrie just can't get over the fact that he's always going to be a LeBron hater. And the sad part about it is that LeBron opened, uh, welcomed Kyrie with open arms. And, and Kyrie soon to forget that, you know, when he was trying to carry a franchise by himself, Preach. he stayed in the lottery every year until LeBron Preach. James got there. But LeBron, LeBron James don't hear that type of nonsense, man. You know, Kyrie and LeBron James, that they they names shouldn't even be mentioned in the same conversation. To be honest with you, you know, Perk, in watching the game last night between Kyrie and 
James Harden's facial expressions on the court and the way they were interacting with KD off the court, it felt as if, to me, they didn't care about beating the Lakers. They wanted to squash LeBron. That is, it's about you know, him specifically. Well, guess what? They have a long ways to go to catch up to his greatness. So I don't think LeBron at any any point was even paying that no mind because, to be honest with you, out of the three between LeBron, James Harden, and Kyrie, LeBron James actually was the best player on the besides them three on the court. He had it his way. It's just the role players didn't step up. But that just goes to t- that just goes to show you the jealousy and envy that they have towards that man, you know, and that's 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 really a damn shame. But that just goes to tell you they really, really. You know, hey, in the locker room, is he's talked about behind closed doors. So, Perk, does the win for Brooklyn tell you anything, and does the loss by the Lakers tell you anything, or are we talking glorified scrimmage basketball game last night? What do you say? Uh, that, that was an empty game, literally an empty game, like – you know, no Dennis Schroeder for the Lakers. The Lakers come by a bucket. Caldwell Pope is struggling over his last four games. Uh, uh, Marcus has been horrendous in the pick and roll. Kyrie didn't even have the best. He didn't even show up really like that. It was a Joe Harris type of night. So, no way no one could actually overreact to that game. That's why it wasn't really talked about yesterday. If you looked on social media, nobody really talked about that game last night because it it it, it was it it really was, you know, like I said, it it, it was really nothing. The, the Nets got a quality win on the road against the championship Lakers. Whoop de doo. So Perk, let me ask you this. With Anthony Davis being out a month what is your level of concern with the Lakers over the next four weeks? I don't, and 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 to be honest with you, George, he's going to be on, he's going to be out longer than a month. Uh, I, Rich, Rich Paul made it very clear to me to let everyone in the world know that they're not rushing Anthony Davis back, and he said this that even if it's one to two weeks before the postseason starts. That's how long they're going to be willing to take to bring Anthony Davis back. And here's why I'm not concerned. This is why you go out. This is why you go out and you go and get a Dennis Schroeder and a Montrez Harrell. And Kyle Kuzma has been playing phenomenal basketball. But, you know, now guys get a chance on the Lakers other than LeBron James to sharpen their tools, you know. So now they get a chance to sharpen the knives in the draw and other players get a chance to get their confidence and get better. So I, I'm not overreacting to it because I, I would never doubt LeBron James. I've seen him do do I've seen him do better with worse. And so with this team that he do have, I still think he'll be a top three team in the Western Conference. Now can they win a championship without a uh, Anthony Davis, hell no, but they'll be okay in the regular seasons without him. I feel as if they need to scour the free the uh, buyout market at least to shore up their front court. Um, do you feel without Anthony Davis, the squad right now is fine, or do you think they need to make a move just to help them out to keep them valued until he gets back? 
You said, I'm sorry, repeat that the phone was going in and out. Oh, it's, it's all good. Do you think they don't need to make a move to secure that top three seed without Anthony Davis, or should they make a move in the buyout market to help make sure that front court is shored up? Um, I, I, I do think they need to figure out something. I do think they need to figure out something in the buyout market because although I love Marcus, I love the career that he had, He's just not that guy to anchor that defense. I mean, you know, he can't go out of pick and roll, and he's not really protecting the basket like a Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. I don't know the circumstances. I don't really dive too deep into the rules and what could happen. But, hey, if Cleveland was to buy JaVale McGee, I think the Lakers should be on his front door knocking, just in my opinion. Yeah, Perk, I, they can't do that. Um, he would have to go to a, another team first and then get cut. So, I mean, that's the way around it. Um, you know, we've seen these wink-wink deals in the past before. If you remember back in the day, Keith Van Horn was part of some crazy deal, and he wasn't even playing basketball anymore, but he was still technically under contract. So, you, you, you never know. By the way, you got some minutes left in you, Perk, if they need a big man? Yeah, what you doing? No, no, no. I, I, I'm completely done. I am not ready to put on the retirement 65. Okay. I have nothing left in the tank. <laughs> well, okay. I don't know if I can get up the court twice, okay? Okay, because I, I would have missed you on the jump. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't want you to go away, but I'm just asking. You know, I'm looking I, out for you real quick. Nah, nah George, we jump we, we jump family. We we, we analysts family for life now because I'm here. I ain't going nowhere. All right, Perk, let, let, me, let me just jump in for one second and take it in a slightly different direction. Do we have enough time, George? Yeah, we got a couple minutes. Okay, Perk, let me ask you this. You had a great career, you know, so much to be proud of. First-round pick, parade All-American, great NBA career, champion, et cetera, right? Did you know when you were playing that you would eventually get into media? And then secondly here, dude, the, the origin of the beard, I want to hear where that's, where that's from because I'm jealous. You, know, you see what I'm saying to you? Well, you, look, first, the first thing is that my, my goal was to – get on a few platforms in the media, speak my mind, because I wanted to be the next head coach that was a big man that played in the league, right? Uh, I feel like big men don't get enough respect. But I also I also, I also, also started to love the media, okay? I started to love the media, and the media started to love me. So I said, you know what? I'm going to watch basketball anyway. And I feel like at the end of the day, I'm going to talk about basketball, so why not talk about it through multiple platforms? But on the other hand, to your next question is that, you know, when I when I, when I kind of look back on certain things for us with my career and how it went, I was blessed. I've defeated the odds, right? I mean, the odds in the basketball career is three and a half, four years. I went 14, so I was truly blessed at that aspect. I just enjoy watching the game. I'm a student of the game, and I enjoy talking about it. The beard? When when, when the beard? Because I can go oh, on to on the uh, Google, and I can see tons uh, of pictures uh, minus oh. beard. Okay, uh, okay, okay. let me tell you how the beard works. All right? My wife told me, hey, hey, baby, grow, grow out a beard. Let me see how you look. I grew it out. She actually loved it. Now, you know what I said? You know what? I'm starting to like it. It took it a while for it to get full. And if anybody knows the 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 
the struggle of actually getting your beard together and growing it out <laughs> where you don't have patches. You don't want to let it go. So, you know, I'm rocking with the beard. I think this is my media look, my identity now, and I'm loving okay. it. Some people yeah. call me Ross the Boss. Ah, you feel me? <laughs> Bro, I don't even have a full beard. Just trying to keep this little mustache and goatee manicured is is a task. Right. How in the hell are you standing on top of a full beard on your face? You know, it's, it's not easy, but hey, it's a it's a it's an everyday progress. It's a man's beard, is what you it know is. What? Let me tell you something now. I'm gonna say this. Some people, some people think that I'm a dark-skinned Dominican. Okay, they just think I'm mixed. <laughs> That's funny. So, same, same. Perk, Perk, let me, let me. I got two more quick ones for you. Um, Lakers taking on the Heat tomorrow on ABC. Um, what do you make of what the hell is going on as we have a finals rematch with Miami? What do you make of what's happening with them? You know, Miami. I think. I think this would be a great game for them to really establish who they are as a ball club, get that sense of urgency back, get that tenacity back, get that edge back. And one thing we all know, Eric's supposed to do one of the best jobs in the NBA as far as prepping for LeBron James. So don't be surprised if we see a lot of boring zones and the game getting slowed up and him – Dare LeBron James to take jumpers. I don't know if that's the right thing to do, the way LeBron been emptying this clip lately from the three-point <laughs> line. But I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. I think Jimmy and Bam are going to have excellent games. But I also think LeBron James is going to have an excellent game. It's the others. The guy like Kendrick Nunn. You know, he's been playing well. And I just want to see if he can continue to gain that confidence continue to be the Kendrick Nunn that we saw last year, I think that's the deciding factor on how the Heat are going to turn the corner, which they're starting to do. Um, I still got them making the playoffs. All right. Well, Perk, before we let you go, we the audience has helped us here. Uh, apparently after that John Starks interview that he said it wasn't him, but he wouldn't reveal who it was on his team, Fat Joe apparently ratted out the teammate who it was, and may he rest in peace Oh, Anthony, no. It was Anthony Mason. It was Anthony Mason. Oh, really? So that became public. Uh, but man. Fat Joe said it to, apparently on some interview. Well, I mean, I, I could see why. They they kind of favor each other. So maybe whoever <laughs> it was, they just had the same taste. That right? was her type? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you ain't right, bro. You ain't right. Perk, <laughs> you, you, you are the best, my brother. Hey, listen, are you set, everybody cool in Texas? You're, I know you're in Texas. You and the family, everybody good? Everybody good, man. We're in a hotel room, but... We have nothing to complain about. You know, house got a little damage, but it's all good. We're going to get through it. Nothing. You know, my wife extra happy because she like, oh, I've been wanting to change out the dining room and living room area anyway. Now the insurance going to take care. <laughs> all right. Well, that's great to hear, Perk. Thanks for always making time for us, brother. Be safe and have a great weekend, okay? Uh, thank you, sir. Right, fellas, I appreciate y'all. Yeah, right on, man. All right. Take care. There he is, Kendrick. Where Perkins in Texas are they? Do you know? Uh, he's just outside the Houston area. Dude, do you guys say. believe the the pictures? I mean, last week when there was this giant car crash, you're like, okay, craziness in Texas. But the 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 frozen like fans and people's electricity and the, yeah, it's the wild. busted pipes. It's crazy. Yeah, it is pretty wild stuff for sure. Uh coming up next, let's discuss some of the things he said, including 
I think Park just broke some news. He's like Woj now all of a sudden on this show. Uh, we, we're gonna, if you didn't hear it, he broke some news on Anthony Davis. We'll have that for you on the other side. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Oh, it's such a good song. Dude, how about the video? No, the video's excellent, too. Dude. Though it's funny because yeah. people don't watch videos anymore. I guess you can go to YouTube and watch them. No, I, I, this, I, it's funny you say that because a buddy of mine was in this video. Remember the, the what? scene? Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. You have a friend that was in this video? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just totally by chance. Oh. Oh, yeah. LZ, you'll love this. You ready for this? I'm ready. My friend Ruben Brown. Reuben Brown was a great offensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills and then for the Chicago Bears. He was a nine-time All-Pro. It's ridiculous that nobody talks about him for the Hall of Fame. That said, Reuben Brown, early in his NFL career, became friends with Wycliffe somehow. I don't know how. And in that video, you know the scene where there's the fight in the bathroom? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My boy Reuben comes in, picks up the one dude up over his head like a pro wrestler and throws the guy. And that's his role in the video all right oh yeah wow so a couple years ago i'm in new york and i hook up with my buddy ruben he's like listen we're gonna go see wycliffe today i'm like you're kidding me he's like no we literally walked into a studio where he was doing stuff and we sat there and hung out for like 30 minutes just watching him work it's pretty cool all because he was in that video i love it that's pretty cool cool. that is like a career highlight even for a guy like that right i would say so yeah just to be in a music video that mattered right yeah that's iconic really um so thanks to kendrick perkins for joining us there if you missed him if you missed andrew friedman if you missed jesse washington earlier uh feel free to subscribe and download the sedano lz and cap podcast wherever you find your podcasts um so laura do we have the audio uh from perk okay so we we asked him i asked him about anthony davis right we asked him about ad and just like what level of concern he has with AD being out a month. And he was like, oh, no, George, hold on. I got something for you. Who needs Woj? We love Woj. I'm just kidding. Um, who needs Ramona? We love Ramona. You know, we're just kidding. But Kendrick Perkins, our guy, Perk breaking some news. Go ahead. And to be honest with you, George, he's going to be, on, he's going to be out longer than a month. Uh, I, Rich, Kyle, Rich Paul made it very clear to me to let everyone in the world know that they're not rushing Anthony Davis back. And he said this, that even if it's one to two weeks before the postseason starts, that's how long they're going to be willing to take to bring Anthony Davis back. Okay, LZ. I'll start with you. How did you receive that information that Perk broke down for us? I received it well. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's common sense. Right. You just signed this man to a whole lot of money. This, this is the, the franchise post-LeBron James. You can't be messing around um, with a big man and an Achilles trying to secure this chip and risk losing this investment. So, and Rich Paul's job 
isn't to help the Lakers win a championship. It's to protect his client. Mm-hmm. So it made all the sense in the world to me. Yeah, like I was like, okay, tell me something I don't know because I'm telling you that four weeks is being extremely optimistic. Six weeks would be like, okay, maybe. Two months is like, yeah, yeah, kind of good possibility. And right before the playoffs could be like, yeah, man, if we're lucky. Because there, you don't know, we don't know what these injuries exactly are, how long they're going to take, what treatment's going to work, how fast he's going to get better. There, there's, there is, there's a month until he's ready to start working out, in my opinion. We'll see. I mean, listen, well, the not, original no diagnosis that Woj had when he came on with us was they're going to reevaluate in three weeks. And Frank Vogel told us, nah, four weeks uh, yesterday. And now Perk's telling us longer than that. Look, I think we're all in agreement. We want him to sit out as long as he needs. But Perk also threw in there, even if it takes before the, just to right before the playoffs, then so be it. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. my answer doesn't change. Right. This, this is about the duration of his career. Not just about this particular season. And while, you know, obviously it would be disappointing if he's not here to help us repeat, I want him here. <laughs> so Yeah, the long term is clearly more important. The long term is way sure. more important. And I've I mean, obviously it's not apples to apples, but my own experience with Achilles injuries, it lingers. You know, that you know, deep hamstring pulls. Like, that stuff lingers, and sometimes it just takes rest, and there's nothing you can do but just rest. Yeah, I think, um, I think that, that, you know, you say that the, the future, you got to worry about the future, you know, and that's, that's what the organization has to think about. That's what his agent has to think about. But if you're LeBron right now, you know, where, what are you thinking? Like, okay, this is not the way I anticipated this was going to go. So what do I need to do now to get back to championship contention? Because without him, and if it goes the whole season, because let me ask you guys this question. What if he comes back right before the playoffs? Are you like, okay, AD's back. Looks like we're going to go win another championship. Or is it, wait a second, I don't know what kind of shape he's in. I don't know what kind of chemistry there might be or not be. Do you, do you lose confidence at that point? No. <laughs> at, least, at least I can't speak for George, but I don't. Because he's, he's not going to take the floor unless he's already practiced. Right, agreed. And, and gotten his wind up. And, and I would say this, to answer your question on LeBron, because we got to go, because uh, Bernardo Osuna, our in-ring reporter at ESPN here for Top Rank Boxing, is going to join us to talk about uh, Chelt and, uh, and Valdez. That's going to be on ESPN beginning at 7 o'clock tomorrow. Um, so it's actually perfect. You can watch the Laker game, and by the time that's over, the uh, main event between Burchelt and Valdez will be going on. But we're going to talk to Bernie in a minute um, about that fight. But to answer your question, LeBron is going to be like, yo, all right, if AD is going to be out, we need to do something at the buyout market. I think that's it. Like, that's what he does is he just tells Rob and them, like, this, we got to find a dude to help us. Right. <laughs> and that's it. It's just that simple. All right, let's talk about this big fight. It is a huge fight. Burchelt. Right, excuse me, Durchelt and Valdez, Bernardo Osuna, our guy at ESPN, talking boxing with us in three minutes. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ah, yes. Nothing like Mexican-style boxing with this song right here. Top-ranked boxing this weekend. The card begins at 7 Pacific. Tomorrow night on ESPN, Burchelt, Miguel Burchelt versus Oscar Valdez. A huge battle uh, between two Mexican fighters, two great fighters. And we got our guy, Bernardo Osuna, who is our in-ring reporter for top-ranked boxing on ESPN. He'll be there. Nobody knows these fighters, these trainers, everyone better uh, than Bernie does. Uh, Bernie, thank you, brother, for taking the time. I hope you and yours are all healthy and safe. Uh, Let's start right here. Uh, These two fighters have a history. Uh, It is not a history of animosity. So I feel like that makes this fight even more interesting. But how would you best describe these two guys and what they will bring to the ring on Saturday? Hey, George, it's a pleasure to join you guys uh, on ESPN Radio. And, And you know what? You're right. These guys don't have animosity, but they've, you know, they they both live in Hermosillo in Sonora and they run on the same track. They go to the same restaurants. Burchelt has actually visited Oscar Valdez's ranch on several occasions, and they said once we signed, not this fight, but the fight before, we knew we were going to face each other. They kind of, like, put a freeze on everything. It's like the pandemic hit in their relationship, like just social distancing. And, and so they said, we, we understand that this is a business and we're going to be in the ring against one another. So they cooled it. They've got a lot of respect for one another. And when you look at these guys, Burchelt is just an offensive juggernaut. He lands at about a 49% clip on his power punches and about 39% on his total punch output. And he's got an amazing punch output. So his knockout percentage in this weight class is superior to Julio Cesar Chavez's, which was 73%, to a fighter like Diego Corrales. So he is just a punching machine, and that's the biggest challenge because he's big, he's strong. And Oscar Valdez, he's moving up in weight. I mean, he's been at this weight class for three fights, but, I mean, he's taking on the toughest in the division. But he's a two-time Olympian from Mexico. He is a fighter who has fought twice through broken ribs. Imagine how hard that is. And then the one, his piece de resistance is fighting from the fifth round on against Scott Quigg with a fractured jaw. So this guy has been through the fire. He is tough as nails. His mental fortitude is off the charts. So you can't help but get excited for what these two guys will do once they step in against one another. Now, Oscar is, is, is undefeated, but Miguel has one curious loss against uh, Luis Perez, who just judge of his record, looks like to be a, a, like a soup can, a tomato soup can. How did he lose to him? And is there anything to learn from that that could inform what may happen on Saturday? LZ, the beauty of that fight is it happened early. He got caught cold, and he wanted to continue, but he wasn't allowed to continue. So, but ever since then, only one man has gone the distance with him, and that was Takashi Mira, a former world champion in a fight where he tried to get the knockout, but. Burchelt fractured his right hand, and he couldn't pursue the knockout. But the thing that that brought on in him was that finishing instinct to say, I don't want to ever be in that position. So it really shows you that it's how you react from a loss. You know, uh, you know we're in this era used to Floyd Mayweather and these young guys wanting to stay undefeated forever. 
Yep. This is more of a throwback fighter where it's like, look, man, I understand. I took on that 15-1 and fighter. He beat me at the time. But you're never going to see that happen to me again. And that's what makes this fight so scintillating. Oscar Valdez could have taken any other fights, but he wanted this Mexico versus Mexico battle against this tank, this beast that doesn't stop throwing punches in Miguel Burchelt. Uh, so, you know, that just made Burchelt hungrier, and, and uh, that loss at that point in his career actually made him a better fighter. Bernardo, it's uh, interesting hearing you talk about this fight because there are going to be many people out there like myself who just admittedly have never seen these guys fight. You know, and and I actually today, because I knew you were coming on, I'm like, you know, I'm going to call somebody else and kind of get some opinions. I called my buddy Paul Vaden. I don't know if you know who Paul Vaden is, who was the IBF light middleweight champion years ago. I said, yeah. what do you think about these fighters, man? And you know, he told me, he goes, dude, I haven't seen these guys fight. So I'm like thinking to myself, what? OK, I know. And so I'm like, OK, but me, I get it. Him, I was surprised. So you're, you're really doing a great job tonight of, of kind of selling to the average fan like myself like why this is such an important fight. And you talked Mexico on Mexico. To me, that's the promos that I've been watching. Talk me through why this is such a cultural event. You know, I, I did an essay uh, for our sports center and for our broadcast, which, you know, much like many of us and in, in, in any sport, Scott, we, we get our passion for the sport from our grandfathers, our fathers, uh, the male figures in our lives. And, and, when you look back, you know, I, I, I put that piece on the air and I put it on Instagram and my cousins were all calling me. They were saying, hey, man, you know what? Our grandfather's gone, but all of us can remember sitting in the foyer watching TV with him and how he'd jump off his rocking chair and start throwing punches when he was watching boxing. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what makes this special. That's what – this is the type of fight, like the, the fighters that my grandfather loved, the fighters like – uh, Ruben Olivares, Salvador Sanchez that my father liked. Me growing up watching Julio Cesar Chavez and, and Eric Morales and Marco Antonio Barrera get in those fight of the year battles. And now this could be that for this generation. You know, Oscar Valdez, my heroes weren't Superman or Batman. My heroes were Eric Morales and Marco Antonio Barrera. And I want to be that for the next generation. So, it really is just one of those things where when two Mexican fighters get in the ring, you already know what you're going to get. And that's what I expect from these guys. Barrera and Morales, they could outbox a lot of guys, and they, you would see any of the other fights, and they had so many other parts of their game that they employed. But when they were in against one another, there was only one thing that they could be, and that had to be a warrior. And I think that's what we're going to see uh, tomorrow night. When these two guys step in the ring on ESPN, at some point, they're going to touch one another, and once that happens, it's on, and that is a guarantee. Bernie, is it safe to say that this one is probably not going the distance because of Burchelt's, uh, you know, uh, ability? And as you mentioned, very few have gone the distance with him in general. Uh, and Valdez, obviously, as tough as he is, that are we looking at a knockout? And are and and I'll ask you a second question here. You know, are we looking at perhaps the first of several fights, perhaps? You know, we were talking about that over dinner a little while ago, and it's like, it depends on how the fight ends. We, it, if it is a high-quality boxing uh, fight that turns into a slugfest at some point, then we'll definitely have that hunger to do it again. But there's a reason that we only got Hagler-Hearns once, you know, and this could be either or. It could be Barrera Morales 12 rounds three times, 36 rounds together, and, and very close every time. Or it could be that type of barn burner fight 
Now, the knockout power, of course, Miguel Burchelt, he stepped in the, on the scale at 130 pounds today. When he steps into the ring tomorrow, he's going to be at 147 to 150 pounds. Wow. Oscar Valdez is only going to gain about six or seven pounds. So mm. we're talking about a huge disparity. And, and that's what makes Burchelt so good. He boils himself down, but he's, made, he's got it down to a science. But when he gets into the ring, he's huge. And so that's one of the things that makes this fight so intriguing is Oscar Valdez, he's got respectable power. But can he keep Burchelt off of him the entire night? And that's a lot to ask. But he's also got a very vicious left hook that if Burchelt, who is looking for the knockout, who wants to look impressive, if he makes a mistake, Valdez could capitalize and, and pull off the upset. You know, I just want to switch gears a little bit, not too far. We're still going to talk about Mexican boxers, but Canelo Alvarez boxes at the end of the month as well. And I'm just curious from your perspective, are you happy with the trajectory of his career over these last few bouts? Because I'll be honest with you, I, I've been wanting him to fight someone of note. <laughs> and I'm still waiting for it. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I think, you know, the jumping up in, in weight classes to take in, on the weakest link in, in Sergey Kovalev, who's coming off of uh, fighting eight weeks before in, in a very tough fight for him against a younger fighter, um, and then taking the belt from him in devastating fashion. Uh, you know, that's the one thing that Canelo's been criticized for, you know, and, and the good thing about this, LZ, is the fact that he's taking on the mandatory, with, which is Abney Yildirim, next mm-hmm. week. Um, but if the path is real and he'll be facing Billy Joe Saunders and then going for all four belts before the end of the year, then we're getting something special because Mexico would have its first ever undisputed four-belt champion. So if he does that, then I'm okay with it. But if this is not the path towards a great fight, then it really doesn't matter. And I think that's, that's what people want from Canelo. You know, one time after he beat Miguel Cotto, you know, mm-hmm. I, at the next camp I went to visit and uh, cover his training camp, and, and he said, hey, Bernardo, why do, you, why do you guys always want more? Why, do you, why are you guys never happy as, <laughs> as with what I do? And I said, I said, Canelo, let me put it to you this way, and I'm going to use your promoter at the time, Oscar De La Hoya, as an example. Oscar De La Hoya beats... Uh, wins his first title. Then he moves up to 135, and he beats Rafael Ruelas and Genaro Chicanito Hernandez. Then he moves to 140, beats Julio Cesar Chavez. Then he moves to 50, and then he moves to 47, he beats Ciro Trinidad. Then he moves to 54, and he beats Fernando Vargas. I said, you want to be the face of boxing, right? He says, yes. I said, well, people expect great yeah. things from you, and they expect the next challenge. And then he kind of said, okay, I get that. I respect that. I said, and I think that's where we are with his career. Yes, he's accomplished a lot, but the one thing I was looking at the other day is a lot of these great Mexican fighters, some of them never got to be world champions because there was a time when there were seven weight classes and two champions. So you had to be one of the 14 baddest men in the world to say, I am a champion. Today, there are 17 weight classes, four, some, some of these, there's four organisms. We're talking about 68 champions, and then plus some of these have interims and all so. It's like it's like Oprah saying, you get a belt, you get a belt. <laughs> I know. It, dr- yeah. it drove me crazy when I was covering for DAZN. Like, now which belt is this? Because it seemed like everybody had one. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but Bernardo, exactly. let me just ask so, you. So it devalues it. Hey, really quick, though. You know, the thing about Canelo, the, it's such an interesting part of the conversation. 
because you wonder this when you achieve as much success and fame and money and you're no longer living at home in Mexico, but you've relocated and you're living the high life in San Diego. And, you know, you train, but you play a lot of golf, you know, and then you train and then you, you really work on your golf game, you know. And so you just wonder at some point how much when you've already achieved so much fame and fortune, how much you still what if you still are, are chasing the goals that you set out to chase. I, that's one thing I really do respect about Canelo. For all the criticism he gets, he is one of the most disciplined fighters. And, yes, and if sir. you know the history of Mexican boxing, you know that a lot of these guys end up becoming alcoholics and losing everything they had because of drugs or whatever it is. And it's not just Mexican fighters. It's, it's athletes in general. But it, it's, it's, a, it's almost that repetitive story. And I see Canelo being different. And, and mm -hmm. that has to do with his team, with Eddie Reynoso, his corner, and the fact that they took him in when he was 13 years old, and, and Eddie just put a tattoo on his leg of, of a picture of Canelo, and it says number one pound for pound. And uh, somebody asked him about it, and he said, look, when you take a kid from 13 years old to being the best pound for pound fighter in the world, you'll understand why I put this tattoo on my body. And in the end, I think Canelo's got a great structure around him. He's still hungry. He still loves the sport. And because he's disciplined and he's still young, he still enjoys this sport, but he can walk away right now and, and, and be content and live that life of playing golf and, and really enjoying it. But I think he still has some goals that he wants to accomplish. And even though he's accomplished a lot, the fact that people question him, especially in Mexico, uh, really keeps him going. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Canelo they're picked good. up golf last year, it's, uh, and he's uh, he's super disciplined <laughs> at it. It's, it's like an 86, I believe, already. All right, wait, Bernardo Osuna. Wait, wait, last question. That's my question. Ryan Garcia, yeah. are you a believer or not? I'm a believer, but I think this generation, and then, you know, mind you, I've got two daughters in college. Uh, they, this generation wants things now. And like this whole fiasco with the, with the Manny Pacquiao, we've all seen fights get made, and we know that it takes a while for a fight to get made. Somebody told Ryan Garcia, hey, we're talking to Manny Pacquiao. Next thing you know, hey, Manny, I'm going to fight you, and there's six million Instagram followers are all like, oh, my God, he's going to fight Manny Pacquiao, and everybody gets in an uproar. Hey, it's a discussion, and I think it's just a symptom of what we're seeing, especially with these lightweights, because we've got Ryan Garcia, we've got Devin Haney, we've got Teofimo Lopez, we've got Gervonta Davis. I mean, if these guys have the guts to do what Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, you know, Roberto Duran, Hagler and Hearns did and, and become the four horsemen, they can take boxing to another level. The question is, will these guys be able to do it and just do what Teofimo Lopez did, take the risk, step in the ring against uh, Vasily Lomachenko and see what happens, you know, roll the dice because that's what boxing needs so that we can all get juiced up about fights because we know these guys. Everybody knows these guys on social media and Teofimo said it best. He's like, I'm real famous. I'm real successful. These guys are social media successful. Let's be in the ring, make that your calling card and use that you know, to, to bring the sport to a new forefront. The best in the business at covering boxing is Bernardo Osuna. You can check him out on Saturday. Coverage begins at 7 o'clock on ESPN as we get Burchelt and Valdez. Uh, it'll be him. It'll be Joe Tess, Timothy Bradley, Andre Ward, and Mark Kriegel. Send my best to the guys. Send my best to Brad Jacobs and Carl Moretti, but tell Carl Moretti, Notre Dame sucks, okay? Do that for me when you see him, okay? 
Yeah, I'll do it while we're having a beautiful seafood tower. Miss okay, you, buddy. But, but make sure you tell him Sedano says what's up, but that Notre Dame sucks, okay? It's all about the you. All right, brother, be good. Take care, Bernie. There he is. Bernardo, Bernardo Osuna there. He's fantastic. We can talk more about the fight on the other side. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Except for the fact that you didn't hear me say except on YouTube when I said it. Uh, <laughs> you you well. underestimate YouTube. It's true. You do. You underestimate No, but it. I said it. I said nobody watches videos as in I meant on television, obviously. And then I Avi? said, but they watch them on YouTube. So take that, Morales. Maybe you should clean the earwax out, huh? Maybe you got that, to the maybe you decanted a little early this weekend. Nothing wrong with a little early decanting now. By the way, no, I like no to decanting say shame. What was that, Scott? I'm sorry. I like obvi two, LZ. I like to say obvi two. Yeah. There we go. Obvi two? No, like no, instead I know. of I'm saying obviously now, yes. now I say obvi. Are you, you know? a totes person too? Sometimes. I could I could oh. say totes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a totes say person. Totes. I could say you totes. You don't tote? Yeah. Obvi, I can go with totes, not for me. The, the new one LZ, that my 14-year-old daughter's been teaching me is uh, everything is drip now. Everything is oh, drip. Oh, well, yeah, that's been going yeah, on for a minute. Been going, yeah. Yeah, that's been well, I'm trying to ruin it. Like, she's yeah. already like, dude, you're already ruining the whole thing. Well, the, uh, that became like a big word in the zeitgeist when Tyler Hero was drafted. If you remember that crazy suit he wore uh and that's what he said he's like just call me drip you know what i mean so i I have a question when did zeitgeist become a big word just so i know i mean that's been a word for a long time i feel like oh i mean it's been around for a minute yeah yeah Yeah, that's a thing um by the way how great is bernie huh guy's great he's he's awesome and i i don't like spending too much time talking about the opponents of boxers because if they decide to fight me, I would just lose. Right. But it is curious that everyone was so thirsty for, you know, Triple G, Canelo 3, and it hasn't happened, but everything that has happened has been, you know, the Daniel Jacobs was a good opponent, but for the most part, it's just kind of been like, what is Canelo doing? Where is he? What is this going? You know, blah, blah, blah. Just fight Triple G so we could be happy. <laughs> And I'm just, you know, I'm curious as to how he feels his career is projecting. So I'm, I'm glad Bernie sort of felt the same way that I did, which is where is this going? So let me ask you guys. You guys seem to both love boxing, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You guys, Bernie had a great story about how he grew up about, around boxing. His grandfather jump up out of, the, out of his rocking chair. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, same deal. Like, I grew up, my father loved boxing. In his retirement, he has become a Florida State chief boxing commissioner so so when when canelo alvarez goes down there to fight next week my father will be the guy like checking his his gloves checking his uh i love that guy it's it's it he lz i swear to you he loves it it's like the greatest retirement job you could ever have if you love boxing and mixed martial arts fighting incredible yeah and in florida they have a ton of fights you know what i'm saying so there's there's some pretty steady work with that too you know you're not you don't get bored what was your first fight, George? Do you remember watching? 
Holy moly. First fight. I mean, it had to have been like, okay, so maybe like the one that I can vividly remember, like me and my dad and like people coming to the house the whole night was probably (sighs) Marvin Hagler and Sugar Ray Leonard that I remember vividly, Mm -hmm. like every Mm -hmm. single aspect of the fight. Certainly I watched Hagler and Hearns and all those different fights before that, but I, I don't think I was as like zoned in on a fight until Sugar Ray Leonard fought Marvin Hagler. I think it was 87, I want to say. So, what about like, you, LZ? What's your fight, though? I want to hear yours. Oh, it was the showdown. It was Sugar Ray versus Tommy Hearns because right. oh, man. Tommy's from Detroit. Right, right. And I started working with Sugar Ray, and I think I said to him, like, either the first or second day, I was like, yo, dog, I just want you to know um, – <laughs> I was pulling for Tommy. Yeah. And, and we just started laughing. He was like, you really thought Tommy was going to win that fight? Man, you crazy. <laughs> but, but, yeah, that, that was the one for me. I Man, love that, the fight That game, era, dude. though. I love it. Oh. Leonard, Hagler, Hearns. Yep. Um, Manos you know, de Piedras. Manos de Piedras, right? See. Yeah, for sure. Like, yep. that was that division was incredible. Incredible. Right. And, we, and I want to see it again. And I fear that, you know, pay-per-view yeah, and – as as ruined that aspect of the sport. Well, and, we yeah, all saw that's the reason why TV. it's not as popular. Right. We saw it growing up as kids. Sugar Ray Leonard would fight on a Saturday afternoon on ABC, on ABC television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wide world of sports. Yeah, yep. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys, because I was a, a little kid, but I mean, I can remember being in fifth grade and standing in a library and there was a Time magazine on a rack, hard copy magazine, with a picture of Muhammad Ali and the headline read, The Last Hurrah. So, like, I was a little kid for Muhammad Ali, but did anybody here ever get any Muhammad Ali? I did not. You, George? Uh, no. No, I'm too young for that. Yeah. Yeah. See, I was just barely there. How about George Foreman? I remember one I, I time. I saw George Foreman fight Evander Holyfield. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, we got the later George Foreman. Yeah, yeah we got I didn't that. get the, the good, the George, the prime George Foreman though. I've no. got a VHS tape somewhere. This is like where Muhammad Ali uh, is is working with Howard Cosell, and they're sitting ringside, and Foreman is going to fight like five dudes. He's going to fight them individually, five guys, like five ra- rounds with five different guys, and Foreman's like beating everybody up, and Ali and Cosell were sitting there doing the commentary ringside i mean these this was the legendary era of boxing absolutely and as i said you know i would love to see it get back to that because i think the sport is compelling but the business of boxing i don't think is going to allow that to happen again yeah the business of boxing is in the way i mean look terrence bud crawford should be fighting um um god who did I, i i'm just blanking on the name right now um Damn it! Oh well, forget. Nobody's it. here to help you, by the way. There's like not one of us that is like, "Oh no, George, don't worry, I got it. I know." I I, I don't know which 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 boxer he he's talking about. Yeah, he, I was starting to zone out anyway. If I'm being honest. Oh, all right. Well, I appreciate you being honest. Yeah. What's <laughs> going on? Can Can I ask not, you guys Errol a question? Errol Spence. That's why. Errol Spence. Errol Spence. There we and, go. And and Bud Crawford should fight. All right, we got to go anyway.
Oh, wow. um, because I got to tell you about Valvoline. If you're due for service, head to your neighborhood Valvoline Instant Oil Change, home with a 15-minute drive-through oil change for over 30 years. Valvoline has provided quick and convenient automotive maintenance services for busy people like you. No dragging the kids to the dirty waiting room. At Valvoline, you stay in your car nice and safe while the expert technicians make sure your ride's in peak performance. Whether it's an oil change, tire rotation, transmission care, and more, just pull up, drive in, and drive out in about 15 minutes. Visit their website, SoCalOilChange.com, for locations and game-winning coupons. LZ Granderson, excellent work as always. You too, brother. Scott, excellent work as always. Boy, I'll get to tell you something. This team today, en fuego. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be safe and peace out. Yeah, great job, Laura. Great job, Greg. I mean, Miranda. No, I mean, Greg. Um, <laughs> I had to. I had to on the way. I had I had to. Uh, all right. What's next? What's that after us? Is it Travis and Sliwa? All right, Travis and Sliwa are up next. Make sure you listen to them. Give Sliwa all sorts of grief because he still doesn't know anything about 90210. All right, we're out of here. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. See you.